You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. The Lacrosse Alpha Burley Pro fears nothing. Not the cold, not the harsh terrain, not the challenges of a grueling hunt. Check out the Alpha Burley Pro at lacrossefootwear.com. Lacrosse Boots, done right since 1897. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for another hunting-focused podcast for Land and Legacy. I'm your host, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. And we're going to kind of stick with the trend that we set last week with our early season, opening day, hunting situation. What is the perfect setup for opening day? But we're going to take that one step further, and we're going to go into a little bit later in the season. So kind of that mid-range between... How would you describe that? Opening day, pre-rut, kind of that yeah. late September, early October, even mid-October, depending yeah, on where you're at. Yeah. And, uh, of course, this is kind of the basis. Sorry for you guys down south that may have a little bit different rut time than, than us here in the Midwest, but this is kind of that, this may cover the broad spectrum. Not to overlook you guys, but to, to keep it fair, we're going to have to yeah. say... This is for the guys that have a rut that falls in November. Well, and and it's not that necessarily it's a timing thing, it, but it's a it's a period of the season. Whether you're in Alabama um, or Central Florida, deer typically will still go through some of these similar phases, if you will. So we're going to talk kind of about a phase, but in our time period that falls in the Midwest and throughout much of the Whitetails range, it's going to be late September through much of October. Um, and that kind of window of opportunity that we have as deer hunters, bow hunters, um, gun hunters, muzzleloader hunters, because there's parts of this Maryland I know that has a October 15th to like the 17th muzzleloader season. just seems bizarre to some people, but no matter where you're at, whatever you're hunting, these are going to be some tips and strategies to get you in the right position to hopefully capitalize in that. Um, there's not a good phase now. It's not pre-rut, but it's not opening it's day. It's not opening day. What and, would you and- call this? I'm going to call it the dead zone because what about I, tweener I, season? I don't like this season at, or this part of the season. If you were to ask me my least favorite part of mm-hmm. it, it's going to be this time. It would be, yeah. Because, Same here. you know, opening day for us, September 15th, you still have that velvet buck maybe, probably not in most instances, but you still have that summer kind of pattern. You have that like five-day window yes, right here in Missouri. There's a few – there's a few days where you're just like, ah, oh, man, I've got them on a pattern. i got to capitalize on this or they're going to shift and go to different mm-hmm. patterns and then kind of switch to that fall-winter range or go go to a different area or different food source. And so this this time frame is the one that 
that a lot of us open up, not just Missouri, but like Iowa and other people, they open up October 1. Yep. And it's kind of difficult to go, okay, when you're trying to figure out where deer are at, they're kind of in a switch in their ranges, switch in their food sources, and then we kick out there and now there's hunting pressure involved. So it's, yep. it's, a, it's a difficult time to hunt. It's a and, difficult time to pattern deer successfully. And yes. because the weather changes so much too in this time period, and that is a huge impact. And we're going to talk about that even more later on of, of what to do in these situations. But you have so much, honestly, kind of working against the, the hunter who is trying to target a specific buck in a specific area. It can be difficult. Very difficult. I, I think of we're trying to keep with the trend last of last week so you think of the food sources during the er, during that time and that goes from september 20th 25th to october 20th or 25th um before kind of the really pre-rut now i know october 15th you'll see some of that but um just for ideas let's say we're talking about targeting upper age class deer um so you're not going to see that a lot in around the october 20th time frame um Food sources. What comes to mind for you, Matt? Oh gosh, for for me, late September, October is definitely like a for us white oak and clover situation. Yep. yep. I mean that is prime time, and we even mentioned that last week some. But and if you have the abundance of white oaks that we do in our area, which again makes it tough to pattern deer, but if you have that, you have ample supply of that, and deer are hitting that no matter what during this time period to stock up for winter. So you have to, whether you like them or not, you have to acknowledge that that is a very attractive food source. Um, but then again, if you're in an area that doesn't have as much, maybe you're in more of a crop area, um, you're going to be looking at clover alfalfa. We hunted a farm um, in Lebanon last year, and we hunted over alfalfa a lot through October. <laughs> Because 75 deer were coming out there a night, usually. <laughs> yeah. Um, it so was well worth their time. There is a, a lot of deer hitting the alfalfa, the white oak acorns. Um, and I think that's where, to me, that's, that's, that's what makes it so difficult in October for us is so many, by the time October 1 hits, the white oaks, the, the whole white oak family, so mm-hmm. chinkapins, all the others are, are dropping. So Burst, most of them out. are down. And now you're going, okay, this this is ridiculous it, trying to find it. It's almost like we're, we went from a possible limited resource because most native vegetation during the beginning of season isn't as palatable. You're, you're on kind of a food plot situation to now October, there's food typically everywhere. Yeah, and that's where, you know, as a kid, there's always the... I'm hunting the TV shows for the hunting transition areas between bedding and feeding. And it was like, how do you even, like, yeah. how does that, as a young kid, I couldn't understand that because I didn't you really grasp the huge the huge difference and... between ag land and timber ground. And mm-hmm. timber ground is bedding, feeding, all in one package of yep. of woodlots. And and it's totally different in open country in a lot of instances. So it was like, how do you, how do you even do that? How do you hunt a deer that's bedding in the same place it's eating? And because, you know, we won't get in the habitat too much on, on this podcast, and we never will, but um, that's the big difference between close canopy timber and wide open timber where there's really not great bedding anywhere, and there's, yeah, there's acres falling They're everywhere. confined more in that, in that 
ag setting, but um, it just it just makes it more difficult. And that's the that's the thing you're talking about is there's food everywhere. So then you kind of really need to transition as a as a hunter a mindset of okay, if there's food everywhere, what is then the limited resource? And hopefully you do have defined bedding areas during this time period that deer routinely go into. But then this is the time for where you don't want to be putting pressure on those bedding areas you don't want to as you're leading up to pre-rut and rut situations you want those areas to be safe to be secure so you're kind of stuck in that okay well how do i hunt i still want to get out there maybe i do have a, a buck that's that's you know i can pattern what are my best chances where do i hunt when do i hunt when do i not hunt that's yes. what we're going to go through yeah i, I think of Another food source that comes to mind is the food plots and totally. uh, the cover crops if if some guys are getting those established that quick. Um, so one thing that I do love hunting over, whether and I've hunted over it in crop country and tamar country, is oats. Um, just because they seem to come on quicker in the food plots and, and get established in your, your other cereal grains. And oats are just, during that that window in October, they can be fantastic. That's why they're involved in a lot of our food plot um, blends because they are so attractive during the month of October. And uh, so if you have some of those brassica plots or those rape plots, so, um, you know, typically we hear the phrase turnips are specifically purple top turnips they have to have a heavy frost on them before they really start eating them but if you're in an area of high deer density they gotta eat them anyway as soon as they sprout they're eating them and so uh you know anytime you have those greens in october it can be great uh great great hunting if it's in the right situation or the right setup and so that's one thing we need to cover in this podcast is what makes it better hunting during the month of october or late september for me, it's just it's a matter of the time that those food plots have had to be able to establish themselves. You know, we we open up our, our food plot window planting season, if you will, August one, and really we could probably plant till about September tenth ish, and and be fine, have a great crop. It's just kind of depend upon the rain. So in some falls, as we're getting ready for season, we might have um, pl- plots that are recently established as season opens up um so by october though no matter what we've got hopefully rains and good germination and good establishment of forage within these plots and then they become the deer start to transition um okay the this is where the food source is this is where quality food source is i can continue coming here day after day after day because i know i'm going to get a quality meal that's when that really starts to turn on that October, I don't know, three, four, all the way through the rest of the season. Absolutely. I, and I think you said one thing about the food plots getting them established. There are certain blends that we establish later than September 10th. Sure. Uh, but it's all weather dependent. Last year, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't, didn't matter what you planted. It wasn't going to grow in our area. It didn't we matter didn't get when. any rain. Yeah. Didn't matter if you planted in October 1 or August 1, you just didn't have any rain. So even if it did germinate, it was still going to dry out and die. So, um, to me, when it comes to October hunting, specifically here in the Midwest, you still are in that window. There's so many transitions happen, happening during that time of the year because you have cooler weather, then you have the October lull everybody talks about the so Indian much, summer. which is basically, as you said, an Indian summer. So you get that second kind of wave of summer where you get the high temperatures. The deer already have their winter coat on. They're not going to move. And, and 
until after dark because it is so stinking hot. And uh, then you have the switching of the food sources. You have a lot of the native vegetation kind of maturing and and not being as palatable. And then you have the white oak acorns or a lot of the other acorns dropping. dropping. Um, there's so many transitions. There is. That, um, that makes it tough. And And so... To try and put that in a 30-minute podcast, I guess, is going to be a little bit difficult. But when it comes to typically in the in the cycle that we're in with, with our weather and our temperatures uh, and our climate, let's just say, um, October, early October has been warm for us. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that we always do, it doesn't matter if it's September 15th opening day to the peak of the, let's just say, the pre-rut. Um, so sometime around, uh, end of October, we don't hunt many mornings at all. Um, there's the the stars have to be aligned perfectly and we have to be super confident in trail camera information or, or, or or I guess historical information we've seen on deer lab to go in, in a morning situation and hunt a spot. We have to have a pretty darn good idea. Something's going to happen for us to hunt a morning. And because, and for the reason for that is because deer are not in great patterns. Plus, it's just really humid. Mm-hmm. It's it's really humid a lot of times. You're still getting a lot of heavy dews, um, and it's kind of that still warm. So it's kind of sauna ish, and you're sweating <laughs> going in. There are still seed ticks out for us in timber country, timber country, and it's just not great to go out and make a lot of disturbance early in the season. Now, as much as that hurts me to say, because I used to be like, all right, September 15th, opening day, then every Saturday till the end oh, of yeah. season, we hunted every morning and evening if we could. It didn't, yeah, it didn't matter. It was a morning, evening situation. Same for me. It's like, I'm just going, like, forget about it. I'm That's going. That's right. I sat in class. All day, all week long, I'm going. And to me, it kind of comes down, let's just be honest here. Um, most guys, we have a limited time. It's yeah. when do I spend time with the family and when do I? When can I go hunting? Yep. And if you're looking at it from that aspect going, okay, well, <laughs> you want to put as many days as you can when deer are going to be moving. And and this is the, the comment we get all the time when we say that we don't hunt a lot of mornings. Well, that's when I see deer moving on my trail cameras. Just because you see them on the trail cameras or just because you see them driving to work doesn't mean you're going to be able to get to your stand and not alert that deer with the amount of sweat you poured walking to that stand because it's still hot and humid. Or just the way that they, honestly, I see in a, in a filtering back to bedding situation in the morning, a lot of times it's very, very sporadic. Some days it's early, some days it's super late, some days you have you know multiple groups coming through. Some come in early, but some come in back to bedding at 10 o'clock they're just filtering and meandering and foraging on acorns and brows and it doesn't matter there's honestly very little rhyme and reason to that so again you want if you have limited time bank those hours and, and use them later on because there will be less that is changing less that is transitioning which will make for more consistent deer movement and hopefully more opportunity to hunt that's right I think, so when it comes to the mornings, let's just say, as we make the statement that we don't hunt many mornings, the mornings we do hunt, what we're looking for is that big cold front. Mm-hmm. We're looking for that 10 to 15 degree 
temperature difference between the average the, nightly cool. Y- that's right. So if we are seeing a lot of, uh, let's say, 80, 70, 80 degree temperatures, and then all of a sudden we get a 50 or 55 or even low 60s, that's when we may hunt. Now, it for, also has you to were have talking about a, that was a high. For the a high being highs in the 80s or 70s, and then the high being in the 50s or, or uh, low 60s, for maybe even, even mid-60s yeah. for the high. And so we're looking for those temperature, big temperature changes. Now, we also have to have great wind. That's the other big thing. Just because, <laughs> just because the temperature's there doesn't mean we're going to go and set in a bad spot um, or, a, a, a push our luck and hunt a stand on the bad wind just because the temperature is right. We wouldn't do that either. So it comes down to having the right temperature and the right wind, um, and then be in the right spot. A lot of times, even if you had those and you're going, or you're thinking about going to a spot, if there's nothing in that area to hunt, we may still not go just because we don't want to booger up anything else. Yeah. And, and two, it just, it's not, uh, it's not worth it. If, if you don't have a good percentage of of harvesting a deer that you want to take, save the time, save the disturbance, and limit yourself to only the good days. And and say and save the chance of irritating your wife and yeah, your yeah, kids. That, that's important too. <laughs> that's a big part of it. That is big. Um, but I, and that, that's a hard thing to get to. And honestly, I think as Land Legacy has has grown over the years like we didn't hunt very much last year in, in all regard like it was some in november because we went to kansas but um you got back it, it i didn't hunt that much in no november beyond that no but then we december hunted, it was like hit or miss too yeah I, I, we hunted just, probably on an average of i don't know a day a week maybe two days a week yeah um and that really, there were some weeks where, yeah, that, I would say overall, that's how, how much we hunted. Even, like, we hunted several days during the rut. We went to Kansas. Even when we got back, um, we hunted a good portion, but we still didn't hunt like we have in the past. And that comes down to not having the amount of hit listers moving to mm-hmm. where we felt confident in going and, and hunting. And the other side of that is we live an hour and 15 minutes from the farms. That's right. So It takes time to drive out there. That's right. It takes right. time to... To make it all work, but let's let's go over like that perfect scenario for morning, and then that perfect scenario for the evening in that middle October time frame. To me, that perfect scenario in the mornings in mid October is that fifteen to twenty degree difference between the days prior, mm-hmm. um, and then the right wind, a consistent, a, a stronger a, wind, a consistent stronger wind. I always, I do not like hunting on less than five mile an hour wind. And I yep. still would even bump that up to say in an eight mile an hour wind. Um, anytime you get below that, it starts, it starts getting a little swirly, but I'm looking for that 10 to 15 mile an hour wind, t- 15 to 20 uh, degree temperature change. And still in the mornings being closer to bedding um, mm-hmm. of a defined bedding area to try and catch deer coming back to the bedding area. Um, because even in October, with the amount of warmer days we get, they still are going back to bed a lot of times in that early, early, pre-dawn, early or, or even yeah. pre-dawn, but dawn hours. Um, that's exactly right. So that window can be can be 
short to be really successful. But if you have those conditions, you can do it and capitalize on it. And you said close to betting, but then again, it's a you're only getting close to betting because the conditions are right because you're not going to learn anything that's it, in the betting area. It's a foot race because when the temperatures are high, a lot of times they go back to those betting areas before the sun even starts coming up and even are dragging behind. Like It's it's basically the foot race of trying to beat them and get them between where they're coming from, the feeding area, to the bedding area. And so if you get those cooler temperatures, they run a little bit behind, mm, and you can delayed. slip in there and beat them and get in between the two. Yeah. That's what we're looking for. Exactly. So the ideal afternoon set uh, – we're once again we're trying to find the divine the defined bedding area the defined feeding area the feeding areas we listed those out it could be green food plots it could be uh white oak acre and grove it could be even the same thing we said last week could it be even uh sawtooth oaks down south um we're trying to find those defined areas but then we're trying to get in between them and the bedding areas that are closer to those feeding areas to where we know that as soon as they stand up, they don't have a long ways to go before they get to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it, to, I was just going to say, if, if you were to split our time or, or ask us how much time we ha- devote to evening or morning, we would say 85% of this window of hunting time frame after opening day to pre-rut is, is evening. Yeah. All evening. 85 plus percent. Yep. Confident in, in that because of basically what we talked about earlier, that your that window is so small for them catching them as they're getting back to bedding before That's right. it gets light. Yeah. So the big thing to keep in mind during the early season, during this going back to last week's podcast of hunting early season to now hunting kind of that still October is non-invasive sets non-invasive hunts, non-invasive approaches, and that goes with we don't have great patterns. We don't have great um, activity showing up on the trail camera unless we get that cold front. For the average, we just don't have a lot of great daylight activity. So we're trying to limit the amount of invasive approaches that we have because if we get, I just think back, going back to the whole morning, evening set, early season as a, as a young bow hunter, how many invasive hunts we did to where we just piled in there. It's it's hunting season. Yeah. And then by the time that there was a chance that deer were actually moving during daylight, they were already spooked and they were oh, already pushed oh, to totally. core areas or, or pushed to other parts of their home ranges or pushed to where they only move after dark. Yeah. And, and that's one of the biggest problems we have and see is with bad hunting approaches of seeing deer deer push to being daylight mm-hmm. and not knowing it yeah and it, just because you didn't hear the deer blowing or you didn't see him run out doesn't mean you're not alerting that deer oh, totally, totally and so that's one thing where i hear you hear people talk about oh they're still moving after dark well the next follow-up question be say well what's your hunting approach because probably mm-hmm. you might find why they're moving after dark when you hear how they've been hunting yeah. um so trying or, or to the be, conditions that they're hunting under yeah I hunt, I hunt every weekend. Well, I, I love people going outdoors. No but doubt. But as we say it all the time, there's more ways to get outdoors than just deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you could be way more successful if you handpicked those days. I, no I remember several years ago, um, one of the best seasons that I've ever had 
was one of the years where we hunted the least amount. Very. And it was just because amount. we picked our days and we made sure when we went in, we were ready to go and be successful. Yeah, totally. And you brought up, you talked about, you know, when do, when do you, uh, oh gosh, I just lost that train of thought. Oh, when do you hunt or where do you hunt when you don't have that deer a good pattern, but then the conditions do turn, right? Like when do you get, when you get that October cold front, but you're like, well, I don't have that deer showing up. He hasn't been during daylight. Um, where do I pick the hunt? Even though I have the right conditions. And that would be find the area or the plot or the food source that that good buck, whatever he is that you want to, that you're targeting. If he's showing up 15 minutes after dark or half hour off after dark, cut him off get off that food plot and the trails that he's taking from bedding to food get up in there set up because of those cold temperatures he will get up and move earlier get to that food source quicker and if you're off that food source just enough have the wind right you have a great chance of catching him before he's staged up and entering that food plot Yep. That and and if you want to know how to improve that, go check out the Habitat podcast yeah. because yeah. a lot of times, too, you'll see those deer come out and they'll stay back from the food plot and they'll watch from in the timber or wherever it is and they'll try to figure out who's out there before they ever come out there. In totally. Transition or staging area, as we call it. Another thing is the grunt call. Oh, I love that. And because we still have deer in these bachelor groups, we still have deer kind of – uh, we saw, we've seen this a lot in the last couple of years where three bucks come out at the same time. You're just a nice batch of group, and you're like, man, that's, I really wish I could capitalize on that. Well, one thing you do is carry a grunt call. Mm-hmm. Um, and But knowing when to grunt, that's a whole podcast in itself. I think we've done that we've, in the yeah, past. We've, we've done that. When one. to grunt, when not to grunt. And if you're on the edge of a big old, like alfalfa field, when we hunted there last year. Mm-hmm. That was not an ideal situation to just blare a grunt call out there across the field and say, yeah. hey, you don't see any deer over here, but there's certainly someone. The only way we could grunt in that situation would be turn the head, put the grunt call back in the woods, point, or basically because I'm pointing it back in the woods and grunting back that way to make them think maybe there's a buck over there in the timber before he comes out the field, and they may get curious and go over there. And hopefully the go out to learn, their edge of the field and at least and, come into range. Yeah, exactly. So with deer still in this bachelor group situation, or maybe they're just starting to bust up, you can still grunt and communicate with them. And we carry a grunt call year round because you just never know when. But during this October time frame, and bucks are still kind of in bachelor groups or just breaking up, you can grunt to them in soft grunts. Yeah, it's it's not your aggressive. It's not a tending grunt. It's none of that. It's a different vocalization. Like I said, it's a soft grunt that gets their attention and honestly piques their curiosity. Well, look at that. Hey, you found a grunt call. I got a grunt call here. It's just a simple... Just a couple pops on a grunt call, and that's it. You've piqued their attention, and hopefully that is enough to get them to close the distance, come into range, inspect, check it out, see what that, if you will, commotion, disturbance, vocalization, why it was made. And again... If those the deer are already in their food source, they're, that means they're comfortable during the daylight. So if they're comfortable, they're going to come and inspect and check things out. If they're uncomfortable, they're going to be back in the timber and away from, um, you know, the the open views, and they're just more secure. So if they're out there, you're going to have a good chance at at closing that distance. 
um, and piquing their interest to get them within range for sure. So those cool cool evenings, those big cold fronts that we get. I, I think of a couple years ago, we had, I think it was like two solid, but probably three cold fronts that came through in October. And I think that was probably that same fall talked about. We were just really, really patient on when we chose to hunt. Um, and those three cold fronts, we did really, really well and capitalize on those movements and sightings, whether we harvested a great buck or not. Um, we saw good deer, we killed does, and they moved like anticipated, and we made the decisions on where to hunt based on those cold, um, those cold fronts, where the food sources were, where they're showing up, um, but also what the wind direction was. So we, we really we hunted effectively, we were successful, but we didn't do much disturbance at the same time in That's preparation right. for pre-rut, rut activity and one thing to keep in mind too was um we also kind of the strategy was we would think about a deer um that's been active showing up on the camera or on the cameras in a food plot after dark and he would be there a couple nights a week Mm -hmm. and we'd be like okay that's the food plot he does not showing up in any other food plots he's not showing up in any other cameras that's the place he's kind of around a lot um but he's showing up after dark we know he's in the area but we know we can't kill him because he's showing up after dark then when we got the cold fronts and it's like he's going to be on his feet earlier tonight let's move in there yep and we'd go in there and hunt either in between sticker eight was in between the bedding area and and the food food plot and the other bucks you're talking about was sitting on the actual food plot Mm -hmm. and a good thing to keep in mind about that food plot too is it's one down at the bottom that got shade early it got cool early and so, once again, if you've got those warmer, even though you get in the cooler, the cold fronts, you still are getting, trying to find the cooler temperatures because that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the, the climate of that time frame. And so, we are basically finding the temperature to where, okay, we know they're going to be on the feet during daylight. Let's go in and try and get them. And right. Sticker 8 was a great hunt that was just right up close to a bedding area. In the afternoon, we knew he was, he, we had him on camera in the food plot, but it was always way late like midnight but he was always kind of headed in this pattern of, i think he's betting over on the neighbor mm-hmm. but we can hit hunt that elevator ridge at dollhart in between the two and uh man it sure paid enough. off certainly paid off so the grunt call finding the food source to find bedding areas watching the those, weather watching oh. the weather that's a huge part of it and not getting too amped up and getting too aggressive during this time frame i look at this as that's the time frame where the the as we said earlier that the deer aren't moving as great during daylight because you have those warmer temperatures they already have their winter coats and so they're just not moving great but that's the time frame where if they are moving you can capitalize them pretty easily but the other thing is that's the time frame that you can really mess up the rest of the hunting season you can, you can push him over on the neighbor you can push him to another part of their core area um, or home range, you can make them nocturnal. You can really mess up the whole season just by getting too aggressive right out of the gate. And that's the biggest thing to learn in that early season is trying not to get too aggressive to where you're going to mess up. Because if you're going to look at the ways to, to harvest and be successful, and as we said at the very beginning, this is one of our least favorite times to hunt because it's harder to get patterns. Mm-hmm. It's harder to get a deer in range. And so why get the most aggressive during that time frame for the least op, the least chance of success that's Smallest right 
percentage of success. And that's one thing that really I, I hope that's the thing we drive home is during the early season. Hashtag woodsmanship. That's it. Is trying not to get too aggressive during that early part of the season unless you have good patterns. If you got but them, if, go if, after them. If you got great patterns, go after them. We're going to do the same thing. If not, thing. sit home and but, shoot your bow and practice. But if not, right. know, know that that's the time frame that maybe you finish out those honeydew lists. Maybe you try to work on some other things because you want to have your time in the deer stand whenever the time is right. Bingo. And and that, to me, is the biggest thing. So, um, I guess next week we'll cover, like, like legit pre-rut. Or, No. We have no, we, we got have, a couple. We have, we have two have a, weeks of special guests, actually. Yes. Yeah, we got a couple right. guests coming up. So, um, you got a would you rather? Um, I'm gonna say, would you rather plant? Would you rather have a? Um, whoo! During October, would you rather have in the month of October? Would you rather have? Um, uh, I don't even know. I was going to say an alfalfa field. Would you rather hunt on an alfalfa field or would you rather hunt on white oak acorns? Hmm. I'd rather hunt an alfalfa field. <laughs> you would rather. I'd rather hunt an alfalfa field. But down in the timber, it's like, well, you as we always say, you can lead a, wa- a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Just yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Those white oaks, if you have them present, they're going to they're gonna feed on them until they're done. That's right. I mean, that's just... That's just the that's just that's yeah. just the you nature of the beast. That's it. They are the beast, and that's you've got to uh, capitalize on their movements and whatever yeah. they're going to do. You better follow. That's right. All I right. don't have a would you rather. All right, that's good. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. You'll share it with your friends. Leave us a review. Um, check us out on Facebook and Instagram, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there, and we're answering on the podcast, or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, a gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God?